This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And good morning, Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, uh, bidding you welcome. And Charlie is so animated. You are just dancing around the studio. It's Caribbean Festival weekend. Oh, that's of course. Feel the vibes, feel the music, baby. Let's move. And it's a long holiday weekend. It is. And it's going to be stinking hot. Out Not, there? Yes, already stinking hot. Yeah, you got that right, kiddo. I tell you. But we have uh, all sorts of things to talk about. As a matter of fact, we'll get to a subject very, very interesting in a moment here. Uh, I just want to get the phone numbers on the air to Correct. make sure folks this know. This is the garden. How did, yeah, how did I get a hold of Charlie? Well, already. It's uh, in Toronto, 416-360-0740. And then anywhere in the uh, province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And Please keep in mind our little mantra, call early, call often, one question per call. If you happen to be a first-time caller, mm-hmm. please let Ainsley, and that's with an L-I-E at the end of that name, uh, let her let her know. And uh, when you come to air, that will precede you. You'll get your garden wings. And there's nothing yeah. like garden wings oh, to exactly. make the garden even better. Exactly. Okay. So listen, what are you doing this August the 7th? I guess that would be Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. because have I got a good idea for you. Oh. All, all right. right. And it's not even that far from where you live. It is the Richmond Hill Garden and Horticultural Society. I think they're the only hort society that functions through the summer. But they are having a bang-up meeting. Starts at 7 p.m. It's at the McConaughey Senior. Your center, which is 10100 Young Street in Richmond Hill. Mm-hmm. So they've got all kinds of things going on. They've got an amazing guest speaker. His name is Scott MacGyver. I do know him. I've met him. He's an amazing young researcher from the University of Toronto in applied ecology and conservation. So he focuses on pollination systems, biodiversity, green infrastructure, and ecosystem services. He's well known for his research on native bees. Mm. So obviously his topic, no surprise, is wild bees in your garden. So Scott will introduce everyone in the audience to some of the many types of wild bees that are native to southern Ontario. And he'll explain why these other pollinators, besides the honeybees, are important to our garden ecosystems and show everyone how to recognize, support, and sustain these bees through our gardening practices. Yeah, really important stuff, really. Exactly. So educational, and he's he's mm-hmm. he's very animated. He's He'll be a very good lecturer, and I know he has done some other lecturing within the horticultural yep. world, and he's wowed every time. So totally worth attending. 
So there's that. Plus, there's a summer flower show, which is always lovely. That's the competition, right? Mm -hmm. People were coming in to get those ribbons and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, bragging rights. And if you get there early enough, there's a photo contest and everybody can judge. So if you get there by 7 o'clock, you're in a position to judge the photo contest and uh, the whole thing will be a whole bunch of fun. So I would definitely recommend uh, attending, if you can, in Richmond Hill this Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. Very good. Now, the subject matter came up for this yeah, past week weird about the craziness uh, in yeah. on the farms so the sunflower farm just outside hamilton i think many of us have heard and now i've also just heard this morning about a lavender farm just outside milton where the public is some members obviously of the public are thinking that this is kind of their private playground yeah. that this is an opportunity to just randomly stop your car walk into the field, wreak havoc at your will, and then walk away. And I'm just like, I, I guess I just want to say I'm, I think that's such an outrage. Why, where that attitude is coming from, I don't get it. Uh, it's, this is private property. These are people's livelihoods. This is their home. This is, their, this is what they do for a living. They grow lavender. They grow sunflower. And the sunflower seeds are grown not just for the seeds, but also for the oil. So they're beautiful, obviously, but they have to get ripe before they can be harvested. And they're not ripe yet. And I guess people were plucking and cutting and breaking and lying around. Anyway, I just want to say it's show a little respect for all of it, for nature, for private property, for public property. Love it. Enjoy it. Look at it. Don't touch it. Mind your manners. Yeah. <laughs> for guys' yeah. sakes. Yeah. And I guess I'm not talking to our listeners, because our listeners are way too clever for that. But hopefully they've got other people listening in the background who might want to listen to that message. <laughs> okay. All righty. Fair enough. Oh, she just stepped down off that soapbox, and we're uh, ready to rock and roll here with the Garden Show uh, Dead Ahead here on Zoomer Radio. <laughs> Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All right, Charlie, let's go right to the phone lines here and welcome from Mississauga, Steve. Good morning, Steve. Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Speaking of uh, small creatures and that... um, (laughs) There, uh, there's been sort of a desecration and decimation of the raspberry patch, oh, mainly the... by the uh, the squirrels. Oh, yeah. And uh, for what it's worth, I'm looking for suggestions. Obviously, Charlie, I've already put up a fake owl that's sort of hovering <laughs> above it. And I've put mesh across the the, the bushes. Oh. Um, I put uh, fake black snakes loops through the. That uh, can work. And this, actually. of course, is fooling nobody. Oh, works in my neighborhood. <laughs> Scares all the children, the hydro workers, everybody gets a kick out of those. <laughs> uh, okay, so you put mesh, okay, raspberry. So you th- sure it's squirrels, not birds? Well, it's, oh, it's right. No, no, the squirrels are, yep. It's the absolutely. squirrels. I, I catch them, and of course, as soon as I open the door, they scurry off. Yeah, of course. Sort of thumbing their noses if they do have thumbs. Yeah, now <laughs> when you said you put mesh, you put mesh so it's a raspberry patch. Is it in like a, a like a row, kind of a hedgerow of raspberries, or it's well, what can I say? It's about maybe uh, five six feet uh, along one uh, one area, and it's it's uh, a green. It's it's the kind of stuff that you'd use to trail, say, beans up 
but that's a wide. Ain't the finest kind, but that's all I happen to have. So uh, all right, I'm so try to discourage them with. All right, so I like your idea of the owl. I like your idea of the snakes. These are all good. If for them to actually work, though, you got to go out every day and move them or twice a day. That way, it does kind of keep the squirrels on edge. They're not quite so sure what's going on when those inanimate objects actually start moving around. So that can help. There is um, there's a motion detected detector uh, sprinkler. It's called Scarecrow, I believe. And the idea, of course, is that when the little varmints come into the property, it's a high-powered spray that just kind of knocks them off their feet. But it will also knock the raspberries off the bush, I think. So that wouldn't be my first suggestion. Go to Amazon.ca or just go to Google and Google Floating Row Covers. And what you need, the best way to protect any of our fruits, our small fruits and berries from the little varmints, whether it's squirrels or birds or whatever, is a very fine mesh. It's like a cheesecloth mesh that will literally float over the shrubbery, and but needs to come right down to ground level and then have its edges buried, beneath, like covered with soil, <clears throat> excuse me, to really seal in mm-hmm. like a package those, those the shrubs. And then, of course, when you need to do some picking, you'll go in, you'll lift, you'll do your picking, you'll go close it all up again and not allow the squirrels in. And that's going to be your best methodology, really, to protect. Uh, there's a lot of different kinds of floating row covers. There's frost. It's like thick felt ones. There's plastic of poly, sort of for different reasons of extending the harvest. But what you want is a really fine mesh, which is going to allow moisture and sunlight to get through, but keep out the pests. All right, Steve? Give that a shot and let us know how it goes, Steve. I mean, the only other thing, and nobody likes this suggestion, is the cayenne pepper. Because this suggestion is not one that we anybody feels good about. I mean, there's different sprays, right? I mean, I, I love that one I, I often talk about called Plant Skid. Plant mm-hmm. S-K-Y-D-D. It's a repellent. Should uh, keep some small critters off of your... It's organic. It won't hurt them, uh, but it, they don't like the smell. The cayenne pepper, nobody likes that one because that's the one where, the, you know, it starts it's burning. It's injurious, and, really. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All righty, Steve. Thank you very much. Good uh, luck. Interesting, interesting problem and to I deal with. I love with. raspberries, yeah. so I hope you're right. successful there. Uh, we're going international here across I the I love border. it. Here yeah. we go. Uh, Jim in Pennsylvania. Good in morning. Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Hi, Jim. Good morning, Charlie. Morning, Frank. Morning. What's going on? It's been a while. Yeah. Charlie, I've got pole beans, mm-hmm. uh, scarlet runners, mm-hmm. and some purple pole beans. Mm-hmm. The plants are growing great. I'm seeing flowers. I'm seeing the pollinators on the runners. Mm-hmm. See the hummingbirds coming in. Nice. The flowers disappear. I'm getting no beans. Hmm. Uh, maybe on a 10-foot pole, I put a single, like a piece of conduit in. Mm-hmm. I've got three or four, three beans around them. Plenty, like I said, lush growth, but just no beans. Okay, but are you fertilizing? Like, are you uh, miracle growing or something? Um, I did... Amended with top the soil with some worm casting. Good. Um, I've been going out to see if slugs are climbing on them. Put down some slug uh, bait. Mm-hmm. But I just, there's no beans. I'm seeing an occasional bean, but nothing. It's like the flowers, it almost looks like something's nibbling off the, right after the flowers are done. But maybe they're breaking off. But yeah. Because if you've got the flowers and you've got the pollinators, you should have the fruit, which is yeah. what the bean is all about. Uh, it is possible that there are some some hungry little, yeah, something chewing the beans specifically. But if you've got so much lush growth, like lots of green leaves, and, and of course, scarlet runner beans, unfertilized, 
just ignored entirely will go 10, 12 feet in a season. So they're very fast growing, uh, vigorous plants all on their own. So if you're seeing an awful lot of lush growth, I'm just wondering if we've got such... um, we tend to have so much like leaves, etc. You know, all this energy goes into producing this huge plant, but not very much in the way of fruit. Um, doesn't seem to be any more health, more lush than past years. Oh, okay, so yeah. so it's just I mean, the it disappearance. Normal as any other year. So flowers, pollinators, no fruit, yeah. or virtually no fruit. Yeah. Um, Homework, Charlie. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like homework for me. I just don't know. uh, So you've gone out during the day when you're at home and you've examined and looked closely for Japanese beetles or anything that could be chewing. Like there are certain insects that that love beans. Right. No, no Mexican bean beetles. I have been using a light neem spray to keep them off, and it seems to be working. I don't see any Mexican bean beetle damage this year. Um. The Japanese beetles, I've seen them out there, but again, they didn't touch them. I think, again, the neem was keeping them off. I've seen them on the sunflowers like you normally see them. Uh, the cannas are getting chewed up. But, but you got to be, be careful with the neem because, of course, that is an all-purpose insecticide that will kill any insect. So just you don't want to be killing your pollinators. That's the, right, no, You've got no. your beneficial insects and your not-so-beneficial insects, so it's very hard to be selective and just uh, kill or spray the ones you don't want versus the ones you do want. Um, So, all right, well, uh, you know what? You've got me a little stumped there. Thank you, Jim. And um, I don't have a... That doesn't happen very often uh, on this show. I don't have an automatic answer for you, but here's a suggestion, too. Try going out in the middle of the night or, like, midnight when it's dark. Take a little flashlight, go out, and see maybe earwigs. Like, maybe something that's a nocturnal insect is doing that chewing, and they do love those tender little tips. I'll look again, but I've done it three times. A wife thinks I'm losing my mind. Uh, nothing. <laughs> but, eh? Yeah, yeah I know everything I can think of. The neighbors, the neighbors too. They start to talk, right? They see out there with a, <laughs> like, see a light out. What's there. he doing? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'll see if there's any sort of uh, something that really jumps to mind. But uh, you know what? You might be another good person to think about for floating row covers. In your case, obviously, they have to be very tall. But um, <laughs> but it is a way to protect. Like, it's a, it's an actual net that protects. Right, no, I have some. I didn't think about that. Yeah. It would be tall. But, I mean, I could try it, yeah. But, you see, the thing is, again, you need those beneficials to get in there to, to do there. the pollinating. Yeah. But then you want the pests to not get in there to do the chewing. So, all right, let me see what I can come no. up with. And I, I doubt I'll have room to time today, but I definitely will, if not today, next week, report back. I'm on the podcast, so... Oh, there you go. Hey, good stuff. Thanks, Thanks Jim. Guys. Thanks for your call. Right. Thank you, Jim, in uh, I guess no long weekend in yeah. Philadelphia, so we can't wish him a good long weekend. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No yeah, Simcoe, Simcoe Day. day. <laughs> yeah, right, you are. Hey, we have to take a little bit of a break. I'm going to come back in just a moment to have a, a hi to uh, Marlene in Oakville, but let me remind you of the phone numbers just in case we get a free line momentarily. 416 360 0740 in Toronto, anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Back in a mo. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. 
This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And uh, Charlie, busy at work on that computer trying to come up with an answer for Jim. Might have found something, huh? You thought that was a commercial break. It was work for me. Okay, Jim, I know you're still listening, and podcast guy that you are. Here's a couple of very good suggestions. All right, why do we have, um, we have bean blossoms, but no pods? Okay, couple reasons. Normal, here's number one, normal early season drop. Most bean plants will naturally drop some blossoms early in the season. All right, that's not it. Lack of pollinators. Doesn't sound like that's your problem. You mentioned you had lots of things flying around. Too much fertilizer. While uh, uh, piling on the fertilizer may seem like a great idea, this can cause problems, especially with beans. Beans that have too much nitrogen will have trouble creating pods. So that goes back to, you mentioned worm castings. So let's, you, you know, let's be careful with the nitrogen. No more nitrogen anywhere near your beans. High temperatures. That's a big one. And you might be struggling with high temperatures. We have for oh, sure. Yeah. When the temperatures go too high, normally above 85 Fahrenheit or 29 Celsius, Bean flowers will fall off. The high heat makes it difficult for the bean plant to keep itself alive, and it will drop its blossoms. That's true of many, many plants, not just beans. Soil is too wet, drops its flowers. Not enough soil, not enough water, drops its flowers. So too dry, too wet. Delicate balance, yeah. Yep. Gardening has an art and a science, right? (laughs) Not enough sunlight. I assume, I didn't ask Jim, but I assume he's got lots of light, six hours minimum per day on those plants. And then, bottom line, diseases and pests. Doesn't sound like diseases are a problem. Pests was where we went on the phone call. But I'm thinking high temperatures are really the problem right now. Okay, Okay. there you go. And uh, very patiently waiting out there in Oakville, Marlene, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Morning, thanks. I have a question about tomatoes. Mm. Uh, Is there such a thing as black tomatoes? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, (laughs) a friend of mine has like what? What he thought was like uh, something like Sweet 100. Oh, and they turned out to be dark. They're perfect, but I mean, they're totally black. They have just maybe just a tiny little red uh, area, but other than that, they're they're totally black. Yeah, yeah. So there is actually. Yep. Oh, there's tomatoes of every I've color. Never seen every yes, I brought you. I did a blind oh, test gee. on you oh, a few gee. years ago. I brought in yellow tomatoes. I brought <laughs> yeah, in stripes. Yeah, I knew about green and white striped tomatoes and orange ones. And yes, the, the black ones are actually like a dark, dark purple. But they end up if if they're super ripe, they go to black. So, yeah, yeah ca- with it's always a challenge when to harvest those odd colored ones. So it's all it's kind of a touch test. You have to feel the tomatoes when they feel like they're ready to eat, harvest and chow down right away, and they should be absolutely delicious. Oh, okay. okay. So we're safe to eat them. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, Marlene. All right. Thank you very much. Your thank friend you wasn't trying to do you, you in. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Have a great day, and uh, thank you for joining us here <laughs> good on question, though. Zoomer Radio. You bet. <laughs> hey, Bev in Hamilton. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good morning. Good morning. Um, my magnolia tree. Mm-hmm. Um, it on the leaves. Mm-hmm. It looks like almost looks like rust, mm-hmm. but a little bit darker than that. And um, the leaves were falling really mm-hmm. badly, and so I put the bubbler on it to keep moisture, like the roots okay. And it stopped dropping. Okay. And it's blooming. It. Oh, is it, it blooming now? Yes. It is. <laughs> Poor confused magnolia. <laughs> 
in a tropical country. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we've had um, winter. It must be spring. When did we have winter? <laughs> and um, and the blossoms are fine, mm. but it's these leaves, and about a foot up from the ground, mm-hmm. there's a hole. Oh. And I saw one day, um, like almost like a carpenter ant coming out of it. Yeah. And I wondered, did they get a bore? No, and ants ants don't eat live trees. Ants are scavengers, and they clean up dead stuff. But they will make a home in in an existing hole that might have been made by something else. And the drag of ants is that they don't exactly shower before they enter our plant. So they can carry diseases, viral diseases, bacterial diseases on their bodies just because they're out scavenging around in dead stuff, they then walk into these their their nest mm. and bring diseases with them, and then they can cause further problems to our living plants. How big and old is your magnolia? Is it a, is it a big old plant? It's, um, it's one of the small ones. I think it's called the nigra. Okay, and then, but have you had it for many, many years? Yeah, I've had it for probably at least eight. Yeah, okay. So, and would, now... <laughs> The color on the leaves, would that affect the grass? No, no. What you got going on in the magnolia is very specific to the magnolia. So that's why I was wondering how important this tree is to you. The thing about magnolias is that they are susceptible to multitudes of insects and diseases. We love them when they bloom. Um, frankly, I mean, that's when we only time we really love them because they're so showy when they bloom. They don't have particularly beautiful fall color. They are not particularly beautiful in the winter. They, their bark is nothing special. Uh, so they really have one season of, of gorgeousness and they are famous for that. That's that typically the spring, though in your case, your poor magnolia is confused. So it's showing beautiful blooms in the summer. The reason I wondered the age of it is what you need, if you love this magnolia enough to do everything in your power to keep it alive, you need to get a hold of a certified arborist to come onto your property, inspect that tree, and make recommendations for either removal or remediation. The, 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 likely that plant has scale insects weakening it. Now, it also sounds like it's got some borer action boring into it. Then we've got ants taking advantage of the holes the borers have made. So, And then we end up with diseases attached to the, all the insect uh, infections. So a lot of things go on in Magnolias. Often they're all connected. You do need a professional on the property to tell you next steps. That's not going to cost you anything until they, you know, uh, they'll assess it and then say, do you want to go ahead? And with my quote, but make sure it's a certified arborist. You can flip. Uh, Do you have access to the web, Beverly? Yes. Okay, good. So you can go to ISAIS as in Sam A, which stands for the International Society of Arboriculture. So there is IS. Landscape Ontario. Yes, uh, you can, or Landscape Ontario, which is punch in your postal code. Uh, you know, what do you need? I need an arborist. Where do you live? Here's my postal code. It will tell you Landscape Ontario members in your area, let's service mm-hmm. your area that are certified arborists who could, will, as Frank pointed out, come onto your property, provide a free estimate for doing the best. Those, of, what were those initials? I, S as in Sam, A. So that's isa.org or landscapeontario.com. Either website will direct you to somebody who can help you. 
Okay. Okay. Right. Good luck Thank with you that. Very much. You're very welcome. Thank you, Bev. Let us know how you come along with it. Okay. Yes, I will. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for joining us here on the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. And I've got to just comment quickly. Uh, we're, we're sitting here, of course. Our, our view outside the windows here is, is to Liberty Street. And just about five minutes ago, a young lady with. Tons of blue feathers came by getting ready for the big uh, Caribbean well, carnival. Well, I was telling you, like, my route I had to take yeah. due to road closures this morning meant that I didn't see all the participants. I mean, this yeah. is a huge, right? Oh. The Caribbean um, carnival uh, parade is today, and it's thousands of extremely wildly dressed individuals. And usually in the morning, I get to see sparkles and spangles and, yeah. and feathers and lots of skin. It's like a really, it's very, very... Very eye-boggling, mind-boggling, beautiful morning. But I didn't get to see anybody today because yeah, my route. They got the so. route kind of messed up on you. They yeah. did. They closed yeah. roads they don't normally close. So I had to come in a back way, and I didn't get to see any participants. But we are seeing them out the window <laughs> yeah, now. That's so. kind of neat. Yeah. Okay. From North York, there's Alice. Good morning, Alice. Morning. Good morning. Yeah. Uh, I'm calling regarding my orchids. Mm-hmm. They're beautifully green. They bloom. But after they bloom... The bloom falls down, mm. and the stem dies out completely, okay. right down to the root. Yep, that's normal. Oh, it is? Once the stem is do- d- dead right down to the, the stalk, to the yes. main plant, sharp scissors, remove that brown stem. Yes. And then just do your, your due diligence, caring for the plant. Sounds like you're keeping it I healthy do. and happy. I even talked to them. Good. Good, and good, good. And yet I go to my hairdresser. She's got one on her counter. <laughs> and it's, it's been blooming since March, and it's gorgeous. But, yeah, you know, it's probably fake. I was at my hairdresser the other day, and they had a fake orchid there. <laughs> yeah, that's my problem with them. No, don't don't give up. You know what? You're doing the right things. If it's green and healthy, you know, okay. glossy. And quick question. You know the little uh, roots that come out from the bottom? Yes. I know we're not supposed to cut them, but Cor- some of them have gone dark, like brown. They're dry. Okay, if they're brown and shriveled, you can remove. But yeah. if they're green and silver, the leave. Green ones I don't touch. Okay, but but also fertilizer. Get a hold of proper orchid fertilizer. Use as per directions, and you will get more flowers. Faithfully, okay. I drain them. I give them tender, loving care. I love the orchids. There you go. You Thank be- you very much, Charlie. You're very oh, welcome, okay. Allison. Don't forget the big orchid flower show every year, um, St. Valentine's Day weekend mm-hmm. at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. Alice would be a good person to attend that, I think. Yeah, exactly. She loves her orchids. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, that couldn't, <coughs> couldn't uh, send you a, to a better place. Okay. All righty, we're going to take a little bit of a break here for Charlie's sake because, boy, she's been just uh, offering up those uh, opinions right, left, and center. Opinions? Opinions, Excuse well, me. and this good is information. Like, not, seriously, you well, know, professional advice. Well, no. I'm thinking of your sunflower <laughs> thing. I mean, you really... Oh, that was an opinion. Yeah, well, that was an opinion, but a good one. Thank you. Really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I'm having to be awful careful here, folks. I'm getting in trouble. Uh, so let me, take a, let, let me take a break now and get out of trouble. Uh, and a reminder of the phone lines in Toronto, call 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province, toll-free, one 866 4740 Charlie Dobbin and the Garden Show continues momentarily. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And Charlie, a short trip uh, across to North York to say hi and good morning to Eleanor joining us on the show. Hi, Eleanor. Good morning. 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 I'm uh, calling about my aloe plant. Mm-hmm. 
I have to transplant it, and I don't know how to do it. Okay, well, uh, you say have to transplant it because it's got roots growing out the bottom of the pot? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good. That's how we know it's time to transplant. And your timing is good. This time of year is fine for transplanting. Get yourself a clay pot. So one of those terracotta pots would be my first choice for aloe vera. Yeah. Make sure it's one size larger than your current pot. So do you know what size you have now? About four inch, six inch perhaps? Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. So you go up one size from there. And okay. you can pick up a terracotta pot at, you know, a home hardware, a Canadian Tire, a garden center. Um, make sure it's got drainage, always, yeah. always. Um, you can put a shard in the bottom because they have a big hole in the bottom, so not a bad idea to put a shard or a, a, a pebble of some kind just to keep the soil from draining out the bottom. Okay. And then if you can, the best soil would be to choose a cactus potting soil. So it's just a, a regular soilless mix, so it's a peat moss-based potting soil, but it will have maybe some extra sand in it or something to just make sure it's very well-drained. Uh-huh. comes dry in the bag, so make sure you moisten it before you fill the pot, or don't fill the pot, but put some in the pot, and then tilt your current pot upside down, loosen it around. The, the plant should slip out of the pot quite easily. If yeah. you want, you can break off some of the older, crusty uh, potting soil that has virtually no value to it anymore. It's probably quite old that the aloe is growing in right now. Break that away, throw that in the composter, and then right away take that that plant with its root and whatever little potting soil is still attached to the root into the fresh, nice fresh soil all around, tamp it down firmly, water thoroughly once. Yes. And then because aloe vera tends to be a bit top heavy with a small root system, use a couple of maybe chopsticks. And put maybe three or four chopsticks all around, stuck into the soil, just to stabilize the aloe vera straight up and down. Oh, okay. And that, good. Yeah. Yeah, and that way, just it'll let it, you know, it won't be struggling to, to, to get roots to stabilize. You're helping it stay stable for the first couple of months. Lots of sunshine. If it's in the house, turn it half, you know, half of 180 degrees every uh, couple of days or at least once a week so yeah, that it yeah. grows straight. Because aloe vera have a real tendency to get super one-sided and topple over because we don't turn them often enough in the window. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> so do that. And yeah, just that one thorough watering and don't water again for another probably six weeks. Like it's a long time before you're going to water again. Okay, thank you ever so much. You're very welcome. Oh, thank right. you for calling. Bye. Thank you, Eleanor. Bye-bye. Have a great weekend. Thanks for being with us here on Zoomer Radio. And if hey. that, I was just mm-hmm. going to, sorry to interrupt, but just if that was like too much information too fast for anybody who's listening, remember podcasts. Yes. Jim alluded to that earlier in the program. You can always go back. You can always go to AM740 website or Zoomer Radio website or even iTunes. You can find this podcast, The Garden Show Podcast, 10 years worth of podcasts. Yeah. And you can listen to anyone you want. You can slow it down, back it up, move it forward, listen, re-listen if anything doesn't make sense. Which is really handy in the case of Warner from Tilsonburg's little uh, <laughs> tip for growing tomatoes well, and stuff. Well, it's only handy if yeah. you know which episode to yeah. listen to. Well, that's true. So hold on, that's 
mean, I can tell you what day oh, that was. Oh my goodness! Now okay. that you started something, because I have had some <laughs> some people <clears throat> wanting to know about Warner's famous tomato recipe. He called us on June the 9th. Okay. All right. So that would be the June the 9th episode, Saturday, June the 9th episode. Warner was about two thirds into the program where he gave us his recipe for the best tomatoes in the world. There you go. Now from Tilsonburg. Oh, wow, speaking of Tilsonburg. <laughs> gave me a reason to come to work. That's Sharon on the line. First time caller. Good morning, Sharon. Good morning. Good morning, Sharon. Do you know Warner? Uh, no. Okay. No. I just wondered. <laughs> What's going on at your place? Um, we have a, a real serious problem with underground mold. Yeah. And we have tried the chewing gum. They're out of control. Um, yeah, did you try the juicy fruit? Yes. And my it didn't work? on all sides of me are combating the same problem. <laughs> and we have a ravine behind us, which we think might contribute to the problem. Hmm. Okay, so, yeah, it could be the year of the mole. I mean, we do have years like that because all populations of all animals are directly related to availability of food. Right. So because this has been a pretty good growing year, we've had, in most cases, enough moisture, lots of warmth. We've, what do moles eat? They eat insects in the soil. We've, if we do have lots of you know, access and lots of insects, lots of action in the soil, particularly those grubs that Frank is mm-hmm. such a favorite of, um, <laughs> then moles will, the population will, will respond to that. So so, but you tried the juicy fruit thing, huh? Because that is we supposed tried, to work. We tried a critter ritter okay. in, the, in the front and backyard, yeah. and we had some success in the front yard. The backyard is completely covered pretty well with the holes. holes the wow. All right. So have you, now you know there's that ultrasonic sound wave gizmo that you yeah. stick down. Did you try that? Uh, my neighbor has that, but we're still out of control. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> oh. Well, no, it's hard. There's my no. One neighbor tried uh, mothballs. I don't know where uh, they put them, but they dropped they, them in the holes. They had some success, but they're still out of control. Well, it's going It's gonna be. Yeah, that's the thing. It's gonna be a multi-pronged process and like you say it's it's a big deal because it's mm-hmm. not just you it's your neighbors as well so you're right like the critter ritter is an example of a repellent um certainly this one that i i do like to recommend just because it, it does work is called plant skid uh so it's p-l-a-n-t plant and then s-k-y d as in dog and then d as in dog again it is a completely organic non-toxic quite effective repellent when used properly um i would stay away from the mothballs just because you never know well maybe you do know but mothballs look a lot like mints and the small children oh, yeah. and mints sometimes you know and mothballs don't mix so i try I, to stay away I from never those never used the mothballs but my neighbor yeah did. it did can you spell the s-k-y-d Two D's, Diaz and dog twice. So plant, the word plant, this is all one word, plant, S-K-Y, 
and then two D's as in dog, D-D. So that is a repellent. It does work on voles, rabbits, deer, and small critters. Of course, moles and voles, very similar. Voles are vegetarian. Moles are not. (laughs) They are carnivorous. So, you know, you could even have voles depending on, on, you know. And, and I mean, the hawk population is really increased, right? Mm. Partially because there's availability of moles and voles and rabbits and mice and all the stuff that the, the hawks eat. So we've got to do everything in our power to try and get back to the balance. So we obviously do, we want to maintain and support the hawks to be able to eat the moles. So I think you're right. It's a multi-pronged effort. I will see if I can get any more information for you and report back next week on some suggestions or things that you might not have thought of. But um, yeah, it, it sometimes these things happen. It, I appreciate that. Thank you. You're very welcome. Okay, Sharon. Thanks so much. Uh, you know, uh, we have another first-time caller waiting online, but uh, we'll get to in just a moment, uh, Richard, there in Roscoe, Illinois. Going to find out exactly where Roscoe is. We think somewhere west of Chicago, but we'll find out momentarily when we come back here on The Garden Show to have a chat with him and uh, the rest of the callers here on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And the Zoomer uh, sous chef of The Garden Show. Zoomer sous chef. With the the magic bell here. Mm -hmm. That is for first-time caller Richard Roscoe, Illinois. Hi, Richard. Where is that exactly? Good morning. Yes, uh, we're seven miles south of Wisconsin border, oh. ninety miles west of Chicago. Wow! It's, nice. Um, I really have a cottage over here. <laughs> Lovely. Lucky you. So, yeah. what's going on? Well, I've planted cherry trees, um, Rainier, and uh, they seem to have bores. Mm. Um, you know, I was thinking about painting it with. Uh, Plaster of Paris or something, but uh, we used to use something called Lindane, but that's illegal now. Oh, is that illegal in Illinois? No. I think. Hmm. It's definitely that? illegal here. Uh, it's been illegal here for a long, long time, so you're right. It was connected, I think, to um, birth issues. It's actually a really toxic insecticide. So, all right, why do you think you have boars? What are you seeing? Well, branches are dying, and uh, I see sap coming out. Okay, so sap coming out of holes. Do you see any right, evidence right. of sawdust or? Yes. Oh, okay, that's not a good sign. Um, hmm. So here's the issue. As you know, a borer bores inside a plant. Uh, cherry trees are a good example of a yummy plant to to bore into because they're full of all kinds of sweet sap and. Uh, Every insect in the world wants to get out the cherries. If you use an insecticide that's toxic enough to kill the internal insects, those borers, it will be an insecticide that is considered systemic. So it's absorbed by the plant into the plant, making the plant toxic so that when the insect chews on the plant, the insect dies. The problem with that, of course, is that you have now got toxic Toxic fruits. Yes. So you've effectively killed your insects, but you've made your fruit inedible for yourself. So it is a challenge. Have you got many cherry trees? Well, um, I had to cut down two already. I have two left. Mm. And uh, the plums are, I think the plums are actually 
possibly infected too. Yeah, now you might have something going on called black knot. So just like K-N-O-T knot. Yeah. That is a fungal disease that it looks like tumors on the plants and it does start with a lot of weeping of sap, etc. Um, so, hmm, it's a bit of a challenge to tell you exactly what to do here. Um, ultimately, you may end up having to eliminate the cherry trees you have. And if you wish to have some edible fruits on the property, which you might have the perfect climate to do, then I would be extremely careful to do everything in my power to provide the perfect TLC for the plants from the moment they're planted right through for the next 20 years to yeah, maximize the health of the plants, to minimize the insecticides required. But you still will need to always use a dormant spray in the spring, perhaps in the fall as well, which is an organic spray, just as a lot of preventative measures should be taken with fruit trees to keep them healthy, happy, and and bearing fruit that we can use. You know, come to think of it, there was a fungus that attacked my cherries uh, mm-hmm. it was it, it, it all they all turned gray was it that last year um two years ago yeah yeah which is a gray mold it's a sooty mold and yeah that's the thing i mean they they're so we love the idea of let's step out into the backyard with our bushel basket and harvest some fruit but it and it's great but it there is uh, fruit trees do require quite a lot of stewarding, if you will, a lot of care and, like I say, preventative measures Mm -hmm. to keep them as healthy as you can. So, you know, great idea to grow them, but really you need to make sure they're planted in an optimal location and cared for. So Uh, more than likely these are done. They sound like they might be. Like I said, is any insecticide that's going to control the insects is going to make the fruit inedible. Right. Okay. Sorry about that. Oh, well. Thanks for your call, though. Thanks. Nice to hear from you. Don't be a stranger. Coffee's always (laughs) on. Nice to hear from you, Richard. (laughs) Appreciate it. Roscoe, Illinois. How about that? Uh, Now, our time is 9.58 almost. Oh, my goodness. Do we have time for one more uh, If it's a fast one, All right. Let's let's see how quickly we can get to this. Marion in Etobicoke on the line. Hey, hi. A morning glory mystery. I've grown them for years, multicolored. I decided I wanted the plain large blue ones instead. So each year, I culled the other colors, yuddity, yuddity. The past two years, I have purchased seeds of blue only, grown them individually, potted, plant, transplanted them to the garden. Guess what? They're all pink. I still have multicolored morning glories. I know. I love those mysteries about flower colors. It's one of those. There, there's no rhyme or reason except the genetics. The, the stronger, the more. I would think the blue would be the dominant in the morning glories, but there are. There's always going to be genetics involved, and the most vigorous colors win. So you know that's it's what often what not our chosen color, but the one that's the the toughest, the one that outgrows the others, shades out the others, says you know poop on you grows all over it and dominates and but so really do does something stay in the soil no to keep that color there because i purchased just plain <laughs> blue they have a special name uh, heavenly blue them. i think they're called yeah i know i know well and there could sometimes ph of soil will have an impact um yeah like just a hydrangea well, that's pH can affect color because uh, ah. potassium affects color, and pH is controlled by all the micro different minerals and micronutrients that are going on in the soil. So sometimes a soil test is a good way to go. But you know what? Thanks, Marion. Gotta go. 
Thank at a racetrack, as we say. Bye-bye. Thank you. All bye-bye. Right. Thank you. And thanks to everybody who uh, placed the calls to talk to Charlie this morning. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Great calls all Absolutely. over the map. And you, I guess you're back in an Yes, hour 1 o'clock, actually. 1 yes. to 3.30. And we'll have lots of fun. Wonderful Zoomer hits uh, right through the afternoon. Excellent. And then you can watch out the window some of the oh, feathers and sparkles, yes, too. Yes, indeed. And I hear the cars revving in the next room, so we'll just have to get out of the way before we get run down by the car show. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody, for all your great questions. Frank, Ainsley, Sebastian, couldn't do without any of you. See you again. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.